Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 21. I'm going to be reading verses 11 and 12 in the Amplified. I want to talk to you this morning about following the will of God for your life. Following after Jesus. If you follow after Jesus, you'll be in his perfect will all the time. Amen. Amen? But you got to remember one thing. When you go your way and do your thing, God is not obligated to follow you. He's not obligated to bless you or do anything else for you. If he does, he does it out of mercy and goodness and grace and love. But he's not obligated in any way. But when you follow him and you find yourself in his perfect will, then he's obligated to do all those things. He's obligated to protect you, to provide for you, to give you the answers you need. He will do whatever you need. Amen? Amen? Because he'll go before you. In Acts 21, verse 11 in the half says, And coming to see us, he, the prophet Agabus, took Paul's belt and with it bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, The Jews in Jerusalem shall bind like this man shall bind like this the man who owns this belt and they shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles the heathen when we heard this both we and the residents of that place pleaded with him Paul not to go up to Jerusalem you know as Paul was on one of his missionary journeys and he's returning heading back to Jerusalem he stops in the city of Caesarea Philippi that's where Jesus and his disciples had a little period of rest when uh, Jesus revealed the great revelation that he was the Christ. And Peter, Peter got that revelation from God. And, and Jesus said, Peter, man has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, he said, but my Father which is in heaven. So this is a good place to be, Caesarea Philippi. It's a good place to be where you could hear from the Lord. And anyway, Paul's having fellowship with some of the disciples from that region. And while he was there, the prophet Agabus comes down. Uh, he came down from Judea and he prophesied to Paul and told him if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be persecuted by the religious leaders and turned over to the Gentiles to be beaten and imprisoned. We need to understand that the Apostle Paul encountered persecutions and tribulations and troubles and hardships just about everywhere he went. And this wasn't the first time that he was warned not to, uh, or not, not, not to go there, but he was warned of what would be waiting for him when he got to certain places. And I know that would scare a lot of people off, but it never scared Paul off. Uh, and especially Jerusalem, because that was the uh, center of the very religion that crucified Jesus and come against the preaching of the gospel so hard. And that's what Paul was going there to do, was to preach the gospel. So he knew what was waiting for him when he got there. But some so-called Bible scholars and commentators, I got, a, I got different books and resources, and I got writings by different Bible scholars and commentators, and uh, although they expound on the word, uh, it's not the word. They're just telling you their interpretation of, of a passage of scripture or something. And it's, it's good to go to them to just get you on the right path and lead you in the right direction to start looking and researching for yourself. But you can't take their word as the gospel. Amen? It's not the word of God. It's what they're interpreting to be what God is saying. And so sometimes they're wrong, and in this case they were wrong because they implied that Paul was in disobedience 
uh, here because the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Agabus and warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem. This is what the scholars said and some of the commentators. But if you examine the scripture closely, you'll see that the Holy Spirit never told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. He only predicted what would happen if he did go. And there's a big difference. And these scholars have gone as far as to suggest that Paul missed it. And because he missed it, he stepped out of the will of God. And that's why he got into all the trouble and the persecution that he found himself in. But we know that's not the case because... Just because you're going through something or you're being persecuted or you're uh, suffering tribulations, it doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. As a matter of fact, you're probably more in the will of God than you know. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> but Paul encountered trouble everywhere he went. Why? Because he bore the name of Jesus. He didn't just proclaim the name of Jesus. He bore the name of Jesus. And there's a big difference there. Because somebody just proclaims the name of Jesus, he can be a hypocrite. I mean, uh, you can get a parrot to proclaim the name of Jesus. But when you bear the name, they can see it in your life. They can see it the way you walk and the way you talk and the way you live. Because you're living a life of faith and you're walking and talking faith. And they can know that you're a man of God. They can know that you're a follower of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm green here, Matthew. I know you changed the battery. I watched you. Praise the Lord. One day we'll be sitting in the sides of the north and Jesus will be preaching to us. Yes. Multitudes for light years in the, in the distance and he won't have a microphone or a speaker. Amen. And we'll all hear him, hallelujah. Maybe we need to get a band shell back here and I can... <laughs> but anyway, as a matter of fact, you're more likely to find yourself in hard places because you're in the will of God, not because you're out of the will of God. And I believe if your faith is not being challenged, then you must not be much of a threat to the devil. Thank you for that resounding <laughs> silence. <laughs> but even when you're in the perfect will of God, you will have to slay some giants. You will have to climb some walls to get into the city. You will have to move some mountains. Because that's the way it is when you're in the will of God. You're going to be challenged because God gives us this wonderful gift called faith. And, and faith will move those mountains. And faith will cause them walls to come down. And faith will help you to slay your giants. But you'll never know unless you're facing with them. Hallelujah. And you may find yourself in hard places, but your faith will get you through them. Yes. And even though Paul knew he'd be bound, beaten, and thrown in jail, he went to Jerusalem anyway. Amen. But he wasn't, it wasn't because he was disobedient or rebellious. It was because the Holy Spirit told him to go. Amen. And just because we know ahead of time what we're gonna, that we're going to be persecuted or have problems or be... Uh, tribulations or be bound and beaten and thrown in jail it should never influence our decision as to whether or not we should do what the spirit leads us to do we should go use the inner witness he'll lead you with peace even though Paul knew he was going to get whipped and thrown in jail he went to Jerusalem in peace because he knew he was walking out the will of God for his life Amen. hallelujah hallelujah when Pastor Ed and I were led to come to Louisville from Bible College, we were led to come here and plant a church. Uh, we thought about Chicago, but we, we never got a witness. We knew we weren't supposed to go back to Chicago. At least I knew that. And Pastor Ed knew that she wasn't supposed to go back to Kentucky, or she felt like she didn't want to go back to Kentucky because this is where she came from. And she didn't have such great memories of her childhood in Kentucky because it was very poor. And so 
Kentucky was the last place that she wanted to go. But we sat down and we prayed. And we got to the place where we got a peace about it. And we knew that we were supposed to come here. But they told, they warned us before we came here. They said that Kentucky was a place of religious strongholds. And that it was one of the hardest places in the country to plant not just a church, but a spirit-filled church. We weren't the first spirit-filled church here. And we talked to some of the churches that were planted here. Uh, we knew a few of them that were planted here uh, through Rhema. And they told us it's tough. And we knew ahead of time we were going to be bound, mistreated, disrespected, and beaten. But we came anyway. Not just kidding. I'm just kidding. We came because we were convinced that this is the place that God was leading us. Yes. And Paul was told in the very beginning of his ministry, right after he was born again, that he would suffer persecution and tribulation, but it never stopped him. In Acts chapter 9, Paul was on his way to Damascus. You probably know the story. He was going to, to Damascus to persecute, execute, and imprison every Christian he could get his hands on. But on the way there, he got knocked off his high horse and had a real encounter with Jesus. And the first thing he said when he found himself laying on the ground is, Lord, Lord, what, what do you need? What do you want? He knew it was God that knocked him off his horse. And Jesus said, Paul, or Saul, Saul, he was Saul at that time. Why persecutest thou me? Why kickest thou against the pricks? In other words, you know what a goat is? A farmer, uh, a rancher has a goat and it's electrically charged and got a sharp point on it. And when the cows don't go the way you want them to or the bull, you just give them a little. And they jump and they go. And he's telling Paul, why are you doing it? But they would kick against that thing. And what happened when they kick against it? They got prodded more and it hurt more. And he's telling Saul, why are you kicking against it? And so Saul realized he was in trouble. He's laying there on the ground. But you know what? He had a real encounter with Jesus. Amen. Can I get real with you this morning? There it is. Hallelujah. And Queenie says that. It's like saying sick him to a bulldog. You know? <laughs> but that's exactly what a lot of Christians need today. And some of them are in this room. Don't look around. Just look straight ahead and smile. Nobody know I'm talking about you. But some of you need a real encounter with Jesus. I'm talking about a real encounter with Jesus. Not just a church service, not just a prayer service, but a real encounter where you see him, he sees you, you feel him, he feels you. You know you're having an encounter with Jesus. And that's usually what we have when we're born again. But then we lose that feeling somewhere along the, the, the way. And Jesus said in Revelation, you left your first love. He said, you better return. Go back to the place where you started. Start doing them things over again. Why? So you get back into that first love relationship with Jesus that you had when you had that first encounter. Amen. Amen. See, we all need that to happen. We all need a trip to Damascus, and we all need to get off, our, get knocked off our high horse sometimes. There's too many lukewarm Christians that have been living and acting so much like the world that you can't tell them apart anymore. And what they need is a real encounter with the one who gave it all for us and died for us. Paddywhack sent me a video. You don't mind if I tell this story. He sent me a video of a, a church that's not too far from here in one of our neighboring states. And they had a Super Bowl-themed church service with a halftime show that featured music by ACDC, Toby Keith, and a pastor actually recreated Miley Cyrus's viral wrecking ball moment. And he was sitting on a wrecking ball that they fastened with a big chain to the ceiling of the sanctuary. It's a big sanctuary, mega church. And they're pushing him, and he's swinging back and forth as this ungodly, worldly music is playing. Now, I'm not 
if, you know, you can be an ACDC fan or a KISS fan or, or any of those things, but, and I'm not coming against them, but I'm just telling you their music don't belong in a church. Amen. Amen. The world needs to stay in the world and the church needs to stay in the church. But he's sitting there swinging back and forth on this wrecking ball while they're singing and they're pushing him and the crowd is in a frenzy. And having a Super Bowl party in the church is not a problem as long as you don't act like the heathen and celebrate like the world. We, <laughs> we had one in this church one time. Some of you remember it. And the only mistake we made was we didn't turn the television off during the halftime show. And, you know, uh, during the halftime we had snacks and stuff and people were eating chicken wings and whatever. And, but we're still watching the halftime show. And during the halftime performance, you know, Janet Jackson pulled that little stunt of hers. And anybody that was in there that seen it, well, I mean, it was just... It just put a damper on the whole thing. We haven't had a Super Bowl party here since. But anyway, uh, that's a lukewarm church that acts like that. Just like the one that Jesus rebuked at Laodicea in Revelation 3.16 when he said, because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold. He said, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I'll spew you. I'll spit you. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That makes me sick to see a lukewarm church. I know it makes me want to puke when I see things like that and Christians trying to look and act and walk and talk like the world. We've been called to be different. We've been set aside to be different. Amen. I don't love you any less if you have weird hair or tattoos or things, you know, in your nose. or in, I still love you. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. In other words, there's, there needs to be a change in you, because when you're born again, you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost is the one who reverses you. You have a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. He renews your spirit. He takes out that heart of flesh, that heart of stone, and he replaces it with a, a new heart. Amen. And you put off the old nature of the world and the old nature of the one you were following before that, the devil, and you put on the new nature of your new heavenly father. And you start looking and walking and talking and acting like him. Maybe not overnight, but a little at a time. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, if Jesus Christ hasn't changed your life, then something is wrong. And if he changed your life and you went back to that old lifestyle and started looking and acting and talking and walking like the world, then you need another dip. Amen. There should be a marked difference in your life. And people should be able to tell the difference between you and the world. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob he was a supplanter. That's what his name Jacob means, a supplanter, a schemer, a trickster, a deceiver, a swindler. He had an encounter with God and he wrestled with him all night and God touched the hollow of his thigh and Jacob never walked the same again as a result of that encounter. And, you know, he may have been limping in the natural for the rest of his life, walking a different way in the natural the rest of his life, but there was a spiritual implication involved because God changed his spiritual walk. Yeah. Amen. And not only that, but he changed his name from Jacob the supplanter, the schemer, the trickster, the deceiver, the swindler. He changed it to Israel, which means contender with God. Because that's what he did that night. He contended with Jesus. He wrestled with Jesus. And when he realized that he had a true encounter with God, he changed the name of that place to Peniel, which means the face of God. And then he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life 
is spared and not snatched away. He didn't know who he was wrestling with. But when he realized it was God that he wrestled with, it was Jesus himself that he wrestled with, a theophany of, of God, he knew that he didn't have a chance and God could have killed him any time he wanted. And then he, so he thanked God for sparing his life. When I got born again, that's one of the things that entered my mind. I thank God for sparing my life because I knew I was dead and on my way to hell. So I had an encounter with God like Jacob did. And God changed me in the way that I walked. Yes. Then three wise men, kings from the Orient, they had an encounter with Jesus. And they recognized that he was king of kings. They're kings themselves. But they recognized he's a king over all kings. And they bowed at his feet and they presented with him frankincense gold, frankincense, and myrrh as gifts. And the Bible says they departed another way. And I know they were talking about a physical direction, but they spiritually departed another way. They were never the same after the encounter they had with God. You can't have a true encounter with Jesus and walk away the same way that you came. But anyway, Paul's on his way to Damascus. He gets knocked off his high horse. He's struck blind. And when he gets himself, when they helped him up off the ground, the servants, uh, the Lord had them take him to a house on a street by the name of Straight. I'm not making this up. I'm reading the word. So don't tell me the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor because he'll knock you off your high horse, strike you blind to the things of the world and set you on the street called straight. Then the Lord sends another prophet. His name was Ananias and he sends him to pray for Paul and he told him what to tell Paul. He said, tell Paul that he's a chosen vessel unto me or Saul. That's when his name was changed to Paul. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name or testify of me before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, the Jews. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Wow, that's a wonderful message. God saves you, restores your sight, and then tells you you're going to suffer some really big things for me, buddy. So even though Paul knew he would suffer many things in many places, it never stopped him from going. And he never questioned whether he was in the will of God or out of the will of God. He never questioned whether or not he was following Jesus or Jesus was following him. He knew. He didn't gauge everything from what was happening on the outside or outward appearances or circumstances. He went by the inward witness. And we run into a little persecution and we want to throw the the towel in and quit. We start whining and complaining. Why does everything always happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? I'm following Jesus. This ain't supposed to happen to me. Stop crying, you big crybaby. You're not exempt from tribulation. You're not exempt from troubles and hardships. As a matter of fact, you should be going through some rough places because it's when things are going smooth that you should be concerned. You should be concerned when the devil's not hot hot on your trail because you're not a threat to him. The more you do for the Lord, the more of a threat you're going to be. When you start witnessing and getting people saved and planting the word and getting people born again, you're a threat to the devil. He don't like that. So he's going he's gonna to try to discourage you. He's going to try to bring trouble your way. You're going to find yourselves in tests and trials, but that's all right. Hallelujah. The apostles were preaching with signs and wonders. They're casting out devils. They're healing the sick. They're performing miracles. Uh, and, and they're getting saved, people saved by the thousands. And then in Acts chapter 5, they're threatened. The religious leaders threaten them, throw them into jail, and tell them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. 
Man, that's when you know you're doing something for the kingdom of God. And later that night, God sends an angel to break them out. Yeah, God will break the law once in a while. <laughs> and the angel told him, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. What life? The life in Christ. And when they heard that, the Bible says they entered the temple early in the morning. They didn't sleep in. They were so excited. They said, let's get this thing started early in the morning. And they taught what they teach. The very things that the religious leaders beat them and threw them in jail and told them not to teach. And what happened? They grabbed them again. They don't learn too quick. They beat them and tell them not to speak in the name of Jesus just like before, but they didn't throw them in jail this time because the prison was undergoing construction to fix off the broken gates and locks. They let them go. The Bible says, and they departed from the presence of that council that beat them, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. And daily in the temple, they didn't leave, they didn't go anywhere. Daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. You know, if, it's, if, if, if they passed the law, which they tried to do a few years ago, that we couldn't preach or teach Jesus Christ anymore, I'd teach and preach him anyway. Yeah. And I would not be deterred by what might happen to me if I got arrested. I wouldn't be deterred by the fact that I would be arrested and thrown in jail and persecuted and misused or mistreated. I'd preach it anyway. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to the laws of man and the laws of God, I will obey God and not man. Amen? Even though I know what might happen to me, whether it's by common sense or by a prophet coming and telling me, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to let that influence my decision. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But they left rejoicing. They didn't leave there whining and crying and complaining because they were beaten and thrown into jail. They left there rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. Things were going so smoothly and God was moving so mightily in their midst and everyone was getting so blessed that they stopped for a minute and they said, wait a minute. This is going too smooth. Something's wrong. See, we think, we think everything is right when it's going smooth. And we think it's wrong when it gets rough, but it's the other way around. And finally, when they got the devil mad enough to have them beaten and thrown in jail, they said, praise the Lord. For a minute there, we thought we missed it. But after they were beaten and thrown in jail, they knew for sure they were doing something right for the kingdom of God. They stirred the devil up. Amen. Hallelujah. They, they knew the devil started messing because God was blessing. Thank God we feel better now knowing that God counted us worthy to suffer for his name's sake. What a privilege it is. They weren't whining and complaining and wanting to throw the towel in. And in the same way, Paul knew he was going to suffer for Christ. He knew he was going to stand before kings because God told him that you'll stand before kings and princes and you will testify for me in their presence. But he did it as a Roman prisoner. He said, Paul, you go to Rome and testify before kings for me. And I don't know about you, but if God told me I was going to Rome and testify for him before kings, I'd be expected to be dressed in some royal garb, I mean, three-piece suit, tied, shiny shoes, the whole nine, maybe even a little hat. I mean, I'd be looking good. I'd have some swag as I went to Rome. Not only that, but I'd go in there in, a, in the back of a, a, a limousine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd have a secret service all around me. I'm an ambassador for Christ. 
I'm representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I should be looking good. They should look at me and say, man, he must he represents somebody big. But that ain't how Paul went to Rome. He didn't go with an entourage and trumpets going, da 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 here comes Paul into Rome. He's he's make way, make way. Paul, the ambassador of Christ, is coming to Rome to visit kings. No, he got there after he floated on a board to a cannibal island where they ate people. And God said, before you get to Rome, Paul, you may not like the accommodations or the transportation, but I got you going to an island. I want you to hold a revival there. And, and oh, by the way, while you're freezing and cold and wet and hungry and trying to keep the fire going, a big old snake, a poisonous snake is going to bite you. So don't worry, Paul. You're doing what I told you to do. You're in my perfect will. Hallelujah. And then after all of that, he was brought to Rome as a prisoner, cold, tired, hungry, wet, in rags and chains. He stood before the kings. But nowhere in the Bible will you ever find where Paul complained about anything that he went through for Jesus. Praise the Lord. I mean, we're supposed to be followers of Christ, but look at this example we have of Paul following Christ. What a mentor. Paul worked harder than all the disciples put together. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, he was put in prison more than any other disciple, whipped more than uh, more times than he could remember. Five different times with 39 lashes, three times he's beaten with rods. <laughs> Those rods were bad, man. I mean, now some of you being from Kentucky, I'm from Chicago. I got a backhand, or, and, and later in life I get the belt. But I know some of you know what a twig is, a thick twig. That's like a rod. You can hear the whistle as it's headed from your backside. Whew. I, I, I got a little bit abused a few times as a child because... My stepmom would take the coffee cord, you know, they had electric coffee pods, and she'd take that cord and fold it in half and whip me with that. Boy, that, that thing stung, man, I'm gonna tell you. I think she was an abuser, but she preferred that over a belt. But <laughs> it was no fun. And Paul got whipped with them rods three times. These are thick rods, and, and, and they whistled through the air, man, they hit you, crack. You know you got hit. I mean, they left welts and everything. And then he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, not just that one time, but three times. Spent a whole night and a day bobbing up and down in the ocean. Traveled many long journeys. I'm reading the Bible. And faced dangers from rivers and robbers, danger from the Jews as well as from the Gentiles, danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. He worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. You know, sleep deprivation is a torture in itself. And he was hungry and thirsty and having gone off and without food, shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep him warm. And besides that, he had the daily burden of all the churches that he started. And all of it happened while he was in the perfect will of God. You think, hey, God, I'm doing your, your work down here. I'm working for you. I mean, these accommodations are terrible. The way you got me traveling, man, man this, this ain't first class or coach. This is terrible. I mean, you, you can do better than this. You, you got all kind of riches. But he wasn't worried about what was going to happen when he got to Jerusalem. And, and look at what he had to say about it in Acts 20 and 22 and 24. He says, and now you see, I am going to Jerusalem bound, but he wouldn't talk about being bound with, with cords and stuff. He was being bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the convictions of his own spirit and heart. Not knowing what would befall me there, 
except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms me, affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. He knew it, not just Jerusalem, but everywhere he went. Beatings and discomfort and hunger and cold and, and sleepless nights were waiting for him. Every city. And then he says in verse 24, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Why? Because he's not moved by the things he sees or feels or hears. He's moved only by the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to scare me out of any place. I don't leave till the Holy Spirit tells me to leave. And this is what faith is all about. Just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean that you'll never be persecuted or have troubles or challenges or problems. It doesn't mean that things will always go smoothly. It doesn't mean that you'll never be persecuted. It doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer or go through some fiery trials. It means that none of these things will move you. You'll know you're a man or woman of faith when you can stand up like the Apostle Paul in the face of the things that he faced and, and declare with conviction that none of these things move me. Do what you want, devil. Take your best shot because I already know that no weapon you can form will prosper against me. You may form them, you may fire them, but I've got a shield of faith that will quench all your fiery darts. None of these things will move me. Hallelujah. You'll go through some hard places. I'm telling you, I don't need to tell you the things that me and Pastor Ed went through these last couple of years. And, and, you know, she's not here this morning. But I can assure you this. When she can be here and she, and she can come here, she will be here every time. Amen. But there's going to be some times because of what we're going through where she can't make it. But she's here in spirit. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, I want you to know that she's fighting with everything she has. And none of these things that are coming against us are going to move us. None of those reports that I got in the past and that she's gotten in the past have moved us yet. And they're not going to. Why? Because we can stand up and say, even though we're going through this, even though we're being persecuted, we're being abused, misused, and mistreated by the devil, doesn't mean that we have a lack of faith or we're going to give up and quit and throw the towel in. None of these things are going to move us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know she's a fighter. And this thing is not going to end well for the devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. God never told us we wouldn't go through some hard places. And you may not like it, and I don't like it, and she don't like it, but we can't always control everything that happens out here. But we can always control what happens in here. And none of these things shall move me in here. But that's why we can't allow fear in our lives. I can't tell you the times that we've had to rebuke fear. And how many times the devil tried to put us in fear over different reports and different things and different side effects from some of the stuff that we've had to take and go through. Uh, but we never allowed ourselves to get into fear. Oh, fear was all over me. It got in me a couple times, but I stood against it. And I said, no, none of these things are going to move me. Amen. And I would quote the word. Uh, we were talking about it together yesterday about these drugs that the doctors so freely give us, you know, these these mind-altering drugs. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this. I'm not going to say that they don't work for uh, certain people and they're not necessary. They are, but 99.9% .9 of the time, they're just an easy way out for somebody. God gave us the word and faith and the spirit. As Christians, we should use that in place of mind-altering drugs because all the drugs are doing are fooling you into thinking that everything is all right, but it's not. Yeah. And as soon as you get used to the drugs or they don't work for you anymore, you increase the dose. And then it's, it's just a vicious cycle. But I, I, the reason I'm telling you that is because when, when 
I'm going to be real plain. The, the doctor gave me a death sentence. He said I had stage four cancer. And I said, well, what are we going to do about it? He said, well, you know, we can try this or we could try that. But he didn't say it with very much conviction. And I left there that day. I was down in the dumps, man. And, and uh, I mean, my mind was going wild. The, the devil was putting thoughts into me and I was resisting fear. And, and, and so I, I went to my... Uh, primary care physician and uh, I don't even know what I went there for something was going on but anyway I told him you know what was going on what I was going through he encouraged me man he told me he says man you can beat this I've had patients with the same thing he says you can beat this I don't care what they said you can beat this and that encouraged me quite a bit you know and, and not that I didn't have faith, not that I couldn't hear from God, it's just that I, I had a hard time hearing because every time I tried to quote a scripture, a scripture, the devil would tell me something else and, and it was a battle going on. And so he gave me uh, uh, Valium. It, it was generic of Valium. And, and Valium is just a, it's, it's for anxiety. It's supposed to calm you down, you know, just slow you down and and it helps with anxiety. And he says, uh, I said, well, I don't really want to take them, you know. And I says, I, you know, I don't believe in them. He said, well, he said, how about you do both, you know. He says, believe God, quote the word like you're doing. And, and he said, and, and take this to help you, you know. I said, all right. First night, <clears throat> I took a half a pill. And it helped me sleep. But I woke up constantly during the night and stuff coming at me. So I've had to battle it with the word. I said, you know, I'll say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, and I would quote the 23rd Psalm and other scriptures and, and finally I'd go back to sleep. I'd wake up again. So the next night I took another half, the other half of the one. Tried it again, same thing. And after that, I just said, I'm not taking it anymore. I, don't, I need my mind. I don't want it altered. I want to be able to think clearly. You know, when the devil comes, I don't want to be lulled to sleep by a medication. I want to be able to quote the word and, and pound him in the head with the word. And I never took another one since then. And, and I, I use the word. And, and I, I'm nobody special. Any, any Christian can do that, you know. Thank God for my wife. Thank God for the word. Yes. Thank God for God. But sometimes we just have to stand up on our own and use our own faith. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So you got to get to the place in an attitude where none of these things move me. Why? And not just saying it, but believing it. And, and standing up to it when, it when the time comes. But all these things come. The fear, the negative thoughts, the doubts, the bad reports. And, and, and they may attack your mind. But I've been learning that I don't have to let them in. And if they do sneak in, because sometimes I just wake up with the thought in my mind, when they do think in, sneak in, I can cast them down. Yes. I can cast them out and then replace them with the Word of God. I don't have to receive them in here. Amen. Yeah, doctor, I know you took the test and based on all the symptoms, you come up with this report. I believe it's true. I believe it's accurate, but it's not the truth. It's not the fact. And I'm not receiving it in here. I'll receive it here. Because you just told me that. But it's never going to get in here. Hallelujah. <coughs> Why? Because none of these things yes. are going to move me. Yeah. King David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Death is there. Fear is there. You feel it. You see it. It's all around you. But you don't have to let it in. You don't have to receive it. And you don't have to be moved by any of that. You just stand up and say, none of these things are going to move me. And the devil will say, oh yeah? How about this? Bam! Nope. None of these things. And then Paul said, neither do I esteem my life dear to myself, if only I may finish my course with joy. That's all he wanted to do. God, whatever you told me to do, whatever you have for me to do, I just want to finish that course and I want to finish it with joy. 
And then he said, and the ministry which I have obtained from you, which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus, faithfully to attest to the good news, the gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. That was his ministry. That's your ministry. That's my ministry. Oh, that I may finish that course with joy. See, Paul had a course and a purpose and a ministry, and it was entrusted to him to, by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the good news. And, and we have a course and purpose as well, and a ministry as well. And, and no two courses are identical. There might be similar courses, but they're not identical. And, and running your course is simply uh, following the plan of God for your life. And I can't tell you exactly what it is. You have to find that out from him. I know part of it includes sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to find out what God's will is for your own life and then start following that course that he's laid out for you. Nothing else is more important than that. And I hear well-intentioned parents telling their children that you can grow up and be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. And it's well-intentioned, but it's not true. We should ask them what they, what they want to be when they grow up. True. But then we should explain to them, it's really not what you want to be. It's what you're called to be. What is God's best for you? What's the course that he's set for you to follow? That's where the blessings are. That's where the provision is. That's where the protection is. Amen. They can do anything they want, go anywhere they want, but it might necessarily be the will of God. Amen. See, I, I told you this before, but one of God's names and one of his redemptive names is Jehovah Jireh. And it actually means that God just sees your need in advance and provides it. Well, where is he? He's in. He's on your course. If you're following your course, you're going to run into all those things that you need before you reach them. You need protection? It's going to be there when you get there. You need healing? It's going to be there when you get there. You need provision, guidance? It's going to be there when you get there. As long as you're on the course that he set for you. People try different things in an effort to find themselves. I gotta find myself. And they keep falling on their face and they keep getting discouraged until the point they just give up because they think they're a failure. They fail because they weren't graced to do those things that they're trying to do. So instead of telling our children they can do or be anything they want, teach them to seek the Lord's direction. Find out the, the course that the Lord has set for you yes. and follow that course. He's ordained you to walk in that. Yeah. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amp says, is this too much for y'all? No. This is for the advanced class. <laughs> for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. Now, I don't believe in predestiny. You, you're in charge of your own destiny. That's not what it's talking about here. It's something that he planned beforehand for us. But you still have the will, your own free will, to do what you want to do. That's right. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. He's prepared your course ahead of time. And he has plans to give you hope in the future. He don't have bad things planned for you. There's going to be bad things along the way that happen to good people, but he's graced you to get through them. He gives you faith to get through them. He's going to be there to meet you and help you through those hard places. He said that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. That's the only thing he predestined for us is a good life. But we have to follow that course. He's got a definite course for our life. He has a race for you to run. And we're all running the same race, but we have a different course. Yes. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the word of God. King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 9-11 that this race doesn't go to the fastest runner. 
This battle is not won by the strongest warrior. What does that mean? It means the fastest runner doesn't win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't win the battle. So who wins? Anyone who finishes the race or stays in the battle to the end. What a race. You don't have to be the first one across the finish line. You can come in dead last, but you still win. Now, I'm getting ready to close. You can live outside the will of God. He'll allow you to do that. You can choose to go to hell and he won't stop you. He'll allow you to choose that. Why? He gave you free will. Now, he's giving us all kinds of guidance. He wants us to make the right decisions. He wants us to make the right choices. He even tells us what those choices are. But he leaves it us, up to us to do them. So let's say you decide to move to California, and so you jump into your loaded moving truck, and you start heading east on I-64. California's west, just in case. <laughs> and he'll allow you to do that. But you'll never reach your intended destination. And just like sooner or later, you'll wake up and say, hey, the signs are pointing to the East Coast. It's not pointing to California. I need to make a U-turn here and get on the right road. But he won't make you do that. And along the way, you're going to go through places and see things that you would have never seen or had to experience. And you will deal with a lot of things on your own, in your own strength with your own resources. And you will not experience the favor of God. You'll find yourself in lack and there will be times when you find yourself totally unprotected and vulnerable. Yeah. Why? He never said he'd follow you. He said for you to follow him. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, God's not obligated to lead you when you're not following his course. I'm going to do my own thing. It's easier to go this way. Go ahead. But God's not going to be on that route. But when you follow him, when you finally realize your life is going in the wrong direction and you make that U-turn and you start going in the right direction, and let me tell you something about God's course. You know, going your way is like this. Row, row, row your boat gently. And, and then you can even put the oars up every now and then. Just keep on flowing with the stream. Going with the flow. It's easy. But when you realize you're going in the wrong direction, you turn that thing around. Now it's hard. Now you're going against the flow. You're going upstream now. But God gives you the ability to do that. Don't, he said that if you don't grow weary and well-doing, right. he says you, you get the blessing. You'll eventually get the blessing yeah. if you don't grow weary right. and quit rowing. But when you're going in the right direction, the way God leads you, then Jehovah Jireh, he's right out there in front of you. He's making your way prosperous and successful. He's making sure that you have every need met when you get to the place where you need it. He's already been there. And you know, like I had that that test, that body scan, and then didn't hear anything about it for a week. And what was I doing? Resting in Jesus. Amen. Declaring that none of these things move us. I know the results. How do you know? Because Jehovah Jireh went before me. Yes. He already met the need before I even knew I had it. Yes. He's already taken care of that thing before I get there. Yes. He's the Lord who sees the need in advance and provides it. Yes. What a wonderful God. He got some other fancy names too. He's Jehovah Rapha. Yes. The Lord my healing, healer. Yes. The Lord my physician. He's the great physician. Thank God for earthly physicians and earthly doctors and earth, earthly specialists in this and specialists in that. But he is the great physician. Yes. 
being he's got all the specialists wrapped up inside of him and he knows everything he's he, he does the what they call that uh, triage he figures out what's wrong with you and he knows exactly what to do he knows what to fix you he knows how to fix you he's got the ability to fix us yes thank god for the temporary help we get down here through doctors and medication they help us but they don't heal us they help us get to our healing in somewhat of a comfortable manner they comfort us they they get us to the place where we can tolerate a little pain they they ease the pain and they they ease the symptoms but they they can't heal anything but god can so go to your doctor take your medicine when it's prescribed but look to him for your healing amen hallelujah let's pray father we thank you and we praise you we give you glory and honor god you never promised us a bed of roses you never said it'd be like picking cherries yeah matter of fact you said that in this world we will suffer persecution but being good cheer you have overcome the world and god if we're in you and you're in us we've overcome it with you hallelujah you never said we wouldn't have to slay a giant or climb a wall uh city or or move a mountain but you gave us the ability to do it you said if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed we could say unto this sycamore tree or this mountain be thou uprooted and be planted in the sea and it shall be so hallelujah god you never said you'd keep us from things you said you'd get us through things yes. and it's our faith that overcomes everything that's in the world everything that's in the world our faith can overcome through you in you with you so we thank you and praise you that we are victorious we're not going to be victorious we're not walking towards a victory we're coming from a victory we're already victorious because when you defeated the devil we were in you and we defeated the devil when you were died when you were crucified died and buried we were crucified dead and buried with you but hallelujah when you rose we rose so god we thank you that we have you not only going before us but we got you by our side we got you behind us we're surrounded by your goodness and mercy and grace and favor hallelujah thank you lord that we are successful help us to change our way of thinking lord help us to get those evil negative thoughts out of our mind and start seeing the good side of things for a change. Quit believing everything the devil brings down the pike and, and confront him with the word of God and the power of faith. And these things that are in our mind that don't belong there, God, we cast them out right now in Jesus' name. We cast them down in Jesus' name. And we'll start thinking the thoughts that you think. For we have the mind of Christ and we hold the thoughts, intents, and purposes of his very heart. So when that negative thought comes in, or we look at somebody and think negative thoughts about them, God's <laughs> nail us with that pride. Hallelujah. Shake us up. Wake us up. Help us to realize that we're thinking wrong thoughts. Help us to see people the way that you see us. With eyes of love. They're, they're fiery eyes. They're penetrating. We can't hide nothing from them. But they love us and we know it. Help us to see people the way you see us. Help us to treat people the way that we want you to treat us. Help us to be a blessing to people the way that you were, are, and will be a blessing to us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We love you and appreciate you so much. In Jesus' name we pray this. And everybody that agrees with that said amen, amen. and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. I didn't go over today. <laughs> Ain't you glad? We love you guys. We appreciate you. Facebook family, I hope we blessed you today. Sometimes they get a little tough, but Jesus got a little tough on people too. Amen. I'm in good company. Love y'all.
this concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.